Hello, everyone. Um, thank you very much for joining the CounterPoint uh, podcast. Um, we're delighted today to have uh, Kumi Tirachelvam joining us from a company called Crypto Quantique. Uh, hello, Kumi. Hi there. How are you? Yeah, very well. Just uh, suffering through this lockdown, uh, like everyone, um, working from home. So, you know, if you hear dogs barking and children shouting uh yeah i think everyone's in the same in the same boat we'll, um, we'll know we'll know you're in the prime minister's cabinet meeting if we hear <laughs> exactly so we're also joined uh by satyajit sinha from counterpoint hi satyajit how are you doing today hi peter hi gumi hi satyajit nice to see you i'm here again so the subject of today's podcast is uh securing the internet of things uh, crypto quantique has a particularly uh, interesting uh, technology to 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 do that but before we get into it maybe kumi can give us a quick uh, introduction uh, firstly to yourself because i think you've been around the industry almost as long as i have um, and maybe just a, a kind of a quick overview of uh, crypto quantique and you know what you're doing there but then we'll kind of get into a more general discussion about uh, the problems that need to be solved sure happy to do that yeah so um, i joined as co-founder and chief commercial officer back in the summer of 2020 seems a long time ago uh with a view of commercializing and productizing our very unique innovative technology myself i've been in various cybersecurity businesses uh in in silicon fingerprinting in biometric authentication and even built up a business in south asia related to mobile digital identity which i guess is where my, my affinity to cybersecurity started from. Before that, I've been a variety of chip companies, uh, embedded software in smartphones where we may have come across each other before, Peter, and with a telco service provider background originally, uh, graduating as an as a electronics engineer. So CryptoQuantique, um, yeah, relatively young company, three to four years old. Uh, it was, it was uh, founded by uh, two technical visionaries, Dr. Sharam Masayebi, uh, post-quantum cryptographer, and also Dr. Patrick Camilleri, uh, PhD in microelectronics, uh, with a vision really of making every connected device secure uh, at foundation. So we believe passionately in foundational IoT security, and we're promoting essentially an overall business model that I'll talk to today on this podcast around hardware-enabled security as a service. So very much about scaling fundamental hardware security, leveraging identity derivation using a phenomena known as quantum tunneling. And we'll get into that, as you say, later. And I'm very passionate about seeing some of the major moves now in industry related to security at IoT edge nodes. Great. Um, thanks. Thanks, Kumi. Maybe, you know, just sort of following off from that, uh, you know, uh, one, one of my favorite uh, Twitter participants if i call them that is uh the internet of shit um it's always always good for a laugh um but when you actually kind of look at a lot of the things that they post uh the the problems that you know the internet of things is throwing up often is related to security so maybe you could you know describe in, in a more kind of general sense what the problem is that you know iot type devices create and you know how you know we can get into a bit of a discussion with with Satyajit as well about how that 
problem is addressed in in different ways. Sure. So I think it's generally the the uh, the move to cloud computing and the need for businesses to move on premise compute to cloud computing is 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 adding to what you you're describing there about security concerns and and more or less daily there are vulnerabilities being exposed. I think it started about five to ten years ago with connected things in smartphones. And so what did smartphones enable all of us to do around the planet was to execute a digital life, right? And, you know, we're having a podcast here that's executing, a digi- you know, using a digital platform, digital audio platform, right? And so so in a way, that, that, majority, that, that volume, if you like, of vulnerabilities on username and password fraud has kind of now then moved into the vulnerabilities in the Internet of Things. And I tend to call it identity of things for the very simple reason that I think when we were connecting people, we had something called a subscriber identity module that provided an identification of an individual to authorize to access network resources. And I think what that, that sadly, I draw the analogy there because I think that's been missed in the de- deployment of the Internet of Things over the last 10 years or so into various sectors various sectors, and I think the consumer, the smart home is probably the greatest risk out there today because generally people are connecting things to the internet for convenience, for, for, for on the back of what very powerful brands in China or the US are providing us in terms of platforms to execute our digital lives, providing business information and analytics. And therefore, the exposure of devices being connected to the internet is, is not really being understood either by the consumer or indeed more, more often now, the enterprise. And that's where we as CryptoQuantico focused at is the vulnerabilities, threat models that exist, connecting objects for the correct business reasons, for the connect, correct digital transformation reasons within enterprises and businesses. And essentially, we're creating these insecure devices at the edge of our corporate networks that allow various people, rogue actors, or in the future, we believe quantum-based computer attacks to then come in through backdoors and other forms of, of uh, attacks to compromise systems. And we've already seen this in industry with stories from around the world of grids being locked down, of, of modems in networks in the US being compromised and cloned and counterfeited. What amazes me, and it continues to amaze me, is, is how blasé people are to this to this threat. And if, if, if we can learn anything from this global pandemic that we find ourselves in now, I think it's not to be blasé about threats and then reactive. So our, our, our mission about being foundational and secure by design is really very much that. It's about accepting the fact that we've got uh, devices being rolled out for five to 10 years. And therefore, as, as, as you guys were talking about earlier, future-proofing the deployment of IoT needs to start rethink with hardware security. Great, thanks. Uh, Sachit, could I bring you in? Um, you've been you know, talking and writing a lot about uh, you know, securing devices from the chip to the cloud. Um, you know, can, can you sort of uh, you know, set out the way that you see this and you know, get into the discussion with, uh, with Kumi here about how you see that shaping up? Yeah, so for IoT, we have seen, uh, you know, the traditional security method of software approach is not going to work. Uh, you need to apply all four layers of security from hardware, software, uh, network, and cloud. And uh, 
What I want to do, understand from Kumi is what is the future of IoT security? How do you see the you know to secure chip to cloud? Where it should begin and where it should end? Sure. So I think you've highlighted in your description of those four sectors very eloquently the fragmented nature of today's identity of things. In that there are so many uh, industries within the four sectors that you've just described that are driving digital enterprise, digital transformation for industrial IoT. So we as a company do believe it starts with the hardware level because if you think about the most secure, robust protection that you can have, it's at the hardware level. And in fact, that's directly analogous to the maximum impact we've seen in systems when hardware have been breached. Very good examples recently of Intel's hardware root of trust and the way that they have derived it in the US being compromised in major systems, right? There were major vulnerabilities. If you go back two years, you saw the industry run around Spectre and Meltdown and what was happening that there in various different systems at the chip level. So if I then fast forward, if you like, or up the value chain to the enterprise and what they're doing, essentially they're having to trust the device procurement ecosystem. They're having to trust their credentials onto cloud systems. Um, uh, major cloud transformation companies, I think we know who they are. So I tend to think about it more such did as cloud to chipset. So whilst chipset companies have in the last 10 years, and particularly industrial microcontrollers, moving to a position of, of, of secure provisioning to cloud. What I've seen to date is essentially chip companies, industrial microcontrollers, saying we are certified or compliant to say AWS IoT as one example. Actually, Peter will remember this. It reminds me of the chip world saying I'm I am I am I am certified to Windows Phone OS. I'm certified to Android. I'm certified to to a Symbian software. It reminds me of that, and that's why internally I call about the concept of vertical integration from cloud to chip, not chip to cloud, because I think the 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 liabilities and and the warranties for enterprises will actually be borne by cloud companies first and foremost, not the chip company in a module that has a very convoluted uh, device supply chain. And so I think the future of IoT security in who will really take a lion's share, a market share in the identity of things from what I've seen to date over the last two to three years is from major cloud transformation companies. I don't just hold the tier ones here, but there are a number of tier twos, tier threes. I think you'll see HP, IBM and others will play in this space as they're also going through a journey from on-prem enterprise compute to providing services in the cloud. And as they start servicing their long tail of enterprises, the 10,000 SMEs in each country, for example, as an average, those are going to need total solutions. They're going to need end-to-end solutions. And, and I think that's where we're going to see the majority of proactive action for hardware security coming from. We've already seen some initiatives in industry over the last 24 months, and we as a company are absolutely playing in that space. Uh, yeah, I understand uh, the you know the, the urgence of hardware secu- hardware level security, uh, and we have seen a growing you know focus on hardware level security in the industry in the recent years. What you guys are working on uh, on the hardware level security? So so thank you. So so essentially, we believe in identity of things, as I mentioned earlier, and we need to think about how identity is derived and then subsequently provisioned. So our 
thesis, and this is what Sharam and Patrick, you know, patented a long time ago, and we're now putting it into practice in a number of internal development chips, is 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 on-chip identity derivation to generate multiple seeds, if you like, that can act as the seed for cryptographic operation in public key infrastructure networks, if you like. And we believe that that's more secure than today's default position, which is either create randomness through a random number generator block of some sort when you need to have memory to securely store those keys that are generated. Or what I've seen also in the last five to 10 years is industrial microcontroller companies coming in and where the few percent of their portfolio customers require security, they're injecting keys. So our view is that those are fallible, right? Those databases can be seen. Uh, I, I won't bore with the detail, but people are, you know, shipping XML files over emails, having, you know, a thousand device addresses or device identity, right? That think about cloning and think about counterfeiting opportunities that exist in that scenario. So for us, it's about on-chip derivation, and and on-chip derivation therefore relies, in our view, on the most purest source of entropy. For us, that's mixed single IP. It's an analog IP block that is leveraging the phenomenon of, of gate tunneling, essentially, in a piece of silicon, leveraging quantum tunneling in order to be able to present a very large key space on a piece of silicon that can, through appropriate firmware operation, generate multiple keys, which I'd like to scale as a service. So that's how we view hardware security through quantum safe technologies, because our generation technology, our key generation technology is very much a physical analog as opposed to a mathematical approach. And so Peter was talking about the future. I did allude to the fact that with quantum supremacy and various other companies now investing billions in quantum computing, including state actors, that I do think that there is a real risk of today's public key infrastructure using mathematical encryption models with keys that are fallible, we have significant risk in in the protection of our internet in the future. Just just diving a little bit into um, quantum tunneling because I'm I'm very intrigued by this. So, as I understand it, um, and please correct me because I'm probably wrong. Um, you, what you're essentially doing is um, using the property of uh, silicon chips that that leak electrons through gates presumably in a uh, in a unique way per each chip and it is am i right in thinking that each sure. chip essentially has its own sort of fingerprint um, in the way that it leaks electrons and that's the the basis on the on of the cryptography that that you use well, that's a seed. That is the basis of the technology, and, and we've filed patents accordingly, so I won't go into too much detail on how exactly we do that. But essentially, you're right that there is at a certain geographic node, let's say geo node, sub-70 nanometers, which is why I'm interested in the industrial IoT, this phenomenon of gate leakage increases. So as the semiconductor industry has actually been trying to remove this phenomenon because it impacts yield. And, and you may or may not have heard me say that it's very clear that the entire semiconductor industry essentially puts profit before security. And, and, and I'm not, I mean, that's no, that's no secret, right? You just have to read the shareholder reports of the public semiconductor companies around the world to know that profit really is something that's number one, not security, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think, as I alluded to earlier, the semiconductor industry generally 
will take a view, particularly industrial microcontroller companies that are operating at $1 ASP, will take the view that if and when a customer requires it, I'll put some kind of security in there. Otherwise, it doesn't help me. It doesn't help me sell. It impacts my ASP and my bottom line. So I'm not going to go there, right? And that's why I tend to talk Satyajit more around cloud to chipset, not the other way around. I think that's the direction of travel. Coming back to what Peter was saying, yes, we're leveraging this phenomenon, this gate leakage, current leakage at sub 70 nanometers and below uh, phenomenon. And, and, and it's really come from physics-led science, actually, to create a key space where there's a quantum-driven array. So what we're able to do is to, with an analog front end and a quantum-driven array, actually read not one, but many seeds that can act as root keys. And we've proved it internally to ourselves, not in one, but three development chips with our foundry partner. And so is is your business model um, essentially kind of licensing the IP or is it you know, actually in the production of chips? Good question. Um, so making chips is incredibly cash rich, as I think companies in the UK and Europe have found out, as the current uh, funding structure of ST Micro indicates, and what I experienced myself at, uh, at uh, Broadcom. And so we are not making chips as a business, although we have done development chips, which allows us to go through a process of design, test, validation that we would expect a silicon manufacturer to do, or indeed what we're seeing in industrial IoT, we're seeing major OEMs actually uh, uh, delving into chip design themselves. And, and so our business model essentially is absolutely to protect the unique innovation that we have on the chip side. We filed a number of patents actually related to this uh, and successfully defended uh, some of these patents in, in the chip IP world. And we'll protect those patents through contracts. And we do want to proliferate that IP. Um, whether that presents a monetized op- opportunity or not remains to be seen. We're certainly talking to some partners who are willing to pay for the IP. But that's not the big game for the company. As I said earlier, it's about reducing friction upstream of the device supply chain to enterprises and to cloud transformation companies that are clearly taking the profits of IoT out right now in terms of global market share. That's that's what I want to position the company towards is, is that uh, area. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, the business model itself, when I mentioned as a service, I think there's a huge opportunity for companies like us and others to provide hardware security as a service. Thank you, Kumi. It would be great if you can share a case study or scenario of quantum cryptography and which companies are in a companies would be benefit from this? So I think anybody, um, as I alluded to earlier, worried about deploying systems for five to 10 years and then thinking about any any kickback in terms of liabilities or warranties in terms of breach. I mean, it could be quite terminal for certain companies, right? In, in the IoT device procurement side or indeed enterprises or indeed even larger cloud transformation companies. So we do think that those industrial IoT companies, some of the larger industrials in the world that are certainly digital, spending billions digitally transforming, are of interest for this technology. And I've indicated that in our previous journey with various accelerators that we've been part of, including in France, including in the UK, 
And so it's difficult for me to talk about a specific case study because of the fragmented nature of the industrial IoT, but there are certainly cases of, of smart factory, smart manufacturing, uh, anything related to smart cities where public sector is quite involved, critical national infrastructure. I do think that energy is going to be a huge area of potential attacks from from rogue states and actors. Um, I think that's why it's called critical national infrastructure. And it's being borne out in, in, in the times that we live in right now in terms of the need to protect such critical national infrastructure. And indeed, one of our partners in France who are running a cybersecurity accelerator for the French Accelerator created um, a smart city uh, architecture using our technology, actually, as a proof of concept. And they're successfully promoting that in France at the moment. And the, and the, the company is, is, is one of Europe's largest. It's Talis Jamalto. Well, maybe one last question from from me, and then we can we can wrap this up. So, um, you know, I think it's sort of fascinating, uh, you know, developments going on. But where do you you know where do you see the next, uh, say, year to three years? Um, you know, obviously you, you've got a uh, you know a, a fascinating technology which uh, you know is is finding good application, but. Uh, crypto Quantique is still, you know, a uh, relatively small player. Um, you know, and certainly our observation of the IoT space is that, you know, that there's a sort of a mix of, um, you know, hyperscale players as well as, you know, quite a number of smaller players. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, system integration going on, which, you know, brings together you know, multiple different elements from you know, different suppliers, different, uh, you know, different hardware suppliers, different software suppliers, which, you know, must in and of itself kind of create, um, you know, vulnerabilities in, in the final uh, solution that, that's delivered. How, how do you see this sort of playing out in terms of, you know, the, the increasing maturity and uh, ultimately the you know, creating as, as you were sort of talking about, you know, smart city applications or you know critical infrastructure applications, which you know must you know have security as you know uh, among the kind of the primary uh, considerate design considerations. Um, you know, we're also kind of looking forward to uh, a situation where, for example, cars become more autonomous. You know, the idea that you know rogue actors could get control of cars and turn them into two-ton missiles, um, you know, maybe kind of an extreme uh, scenario, but not beyond the you know, realm of possibility. So yeah, maybe you could sort of talk us through where you see the next, yeah, as I say, kind of, you know, one to three years, maybe a little bit beyond, um, and the role that uh, CryptoQuantique can play in that. Yeah, sure. Um, sure, Peter. So so I think let's pick up on that autonomous vehicle uh, analogy that you drew. I, I, I think that's a great, uh, I didn't mention that to Satya did earlier, but I think that's a great vertical for us to to consider with some of our scaling partners, actually. Because if you think about an autonomous vehicle and you think about the need for perhaps an identity associated with the device to one individual, perhaps a different key associated with a different individual, you're minimizing risk. At the end of the day, security is a layered onion. It, it, you're not never going to prevent someone who's very dedicated with enough resources with a potential quantum computer in the in the future. 
which may intersect very nicely to when cities and, and, and countries around the world do deploy autonomous vehicles, you know, more mainstream than the, 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 the little in, installations that we see today. So I think that's a great application where the, the single piece of silicon can actually be bound with different identities on chip derived and, and, and then associated with different people or different your manufacturer or a government or a, a different fleet uh, owner. So I think there's a very good example where identity as a service, and that's kind of what we promoted, you know, for a few years ago on digital identity, I explained, but really bringing identity as a service and key and provided through keys, cryptographic keys, highly strength, highly strong cryptographic keys will, will make sense. So to your point about what we'll be doing in the next year or so, we are developing some of those use cases internally, some of those internal demonstrators. We'll do it individually as CryptoQuantique as well as with partners. And I think for the next 12 months or so, that's kind of where we are to try and promote the need for this level of quantum safe security at the edge node. And, and, and I think that's where we'll appeal to our audience are already, you know, our target audience are some of the larger companies in the world in this space. From, from an industry perspective, where I see it going, Peter, to answer maybe your question with an industry viewpoint, I do think you're going to see a lot more. Uh, uh, attacks being made visible and exposed because of brand liability, uh, brand reputation, warranties. And I do think that uh, you're going to see a lot more being tracked to the hardware root of trust, as I gave the example before. Um, and and that, that will hopefully uh, increase the need for people to consider technology such as ours as, as foundational. And that, at, at the end of the day, that's what I said is our vision to to bring foundational IoT security to the world using quantum safe technology. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks for that, Kumi. And um, yeah, that, that pretty much brings us to the end of the uh, podcast. So yeah, my thanks to you, Kumi, for, for joining us. Really appreciate your time today. Um, yeah. And uh, please look out for the next episode uh, from CounterPoint on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you very much, so, Peter, for the time today. And uh, yeah, stay in touch and stay right. safe. Thanks, Kumi. Yep, you stay safe and same to everyone out there. All the best now. All the best. Thanks, everyone.